just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. We are back on the Rational Boomer Podcast. Hope you're all having a great day. This edition will include Ed, my compatriot, former colleague in radio, and a uh, like-minded thinker to myself and all of us in the Rational Boomer Podcast audience. So thanks, Ed, for joining us once again. Oh, I'm so glad to be here. This is the highlight of my day now when we get together. Uh, Helps me kind of... uh get my own thoughts in line about a number of different uh, things that we've discussed. Uh, hopefully it helps other people too. Well, that's what I tell my wife, you know, she says, uh, you're doing the TikToks, you're doing the podcast, you're getting rich and famous. I go, well, no, but I'm 62 years old and I'm looking at things going on all day. I'm trying to comprehend it, try to compile it and try to produce it in such a way where other people will understand it. So I'm keeping my mind occupied and working in retirement. So if nothing else, that's serving a purpose. And frankly, if I was sitting on the couch eating potato chips, my mind would go to mush very quickly, much like my body. (laughs) Same here. But uh, you're absolutely right. And, And the other thing that retirement brings you, And I hope that everyone is able to retire, although it doesn't look that way for many. Um, uh, When your life is busy, when you're working, uh, especially if you have kids, there's so much that takes up your attention that you don't have time to sit back, reflect, and make connections. There was a great TV program that used to be on where, uh, I forget the guy's name, British guy, he would take a a concept and he would follow it through history and the the connections were always amazing like a uh the way they changed the battlements on a castle wound up uh, uh giving us uh, telemetry or something you know i just pulled that one out but it was that uh that broad and uh I always enjoyed it now i'm doing that myself you know as things come out in the news i'm able to reach back into the card catalog that's my mind. Dewey Decimal card catalog for our vintage. (laughs) Exactly. And, uh, you know, I don't have a hard drive. I have a card catalog. Uh, That's my vintage. But uh, uh, you can still make connections. Absolutely. You can make connections. And and I'm proof of that with TikTok. I've met a lot of people in podcasts. We've met a lot of people and got to talk to a lot of people, became friends with people who are out there. I'm a firm believer that no matter how old you are, there's one thing you must have, a goal that you're chasing. If you're a baby, your goal may be to go potty on the potty. When you're old like us and we don't have to worry about careers or maybe not as much about money, there should be still something we're chasing. The moment we stop chasing something, that's the time we sit back, vegetate, take a big sigh, and die. So for for me, it's a matter of trying to make a difference online, uh, doing what I've done in the past in the radio, but doing it on TikTok and the podcast. And whether I'm successful at it, in the end, doesn't matter. I'm still on the chase, and that's what's going to keep me alive. Yeah, same with me. And also, uh, it's kind of cyclical. 
uh, at my age now of 72, <laughs> I, I, I'm working, worried about the uh, the potty training again. <laughs> yeah. Oh, if I could just go to the bathroom on the potty and not in the car in between Burger King and home. <laughs> yeah. There you go. That's exactly. all too real these days. <laughs> it's not as bad as it could be, but uh, it's way worse than it ever was. So. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't expect to have to plan my bathroom breaks before, but yeah, you, you got to make sure you're within distance, if you know what I mean. There's, there's no more going out into the mountains like I did when I was a kid. Well, yeah, you know, you go into a restaurant. My wife and I will sit in a restaurant and we'll eat dinner. We've never been to this restaurant, so we don't know the effects that this intro, uh, restaurant will have. And at that moment, we have to say, you know, maybe we should have a drink or two afterwards. Maybe uh-huh. we shouldn't rush off and be in the car someplace in the middle of <laughs> fucking nowhere. Yeah. Uh, that, that's a sad state of affairs when that's when that's a concern of yours. But when you get to be our age, it's something to think about. Yeah, and speaking of old things, uh, that Donald Trump is once again in the news for a couple of reasons. Yeah. Uh, uh, first of all, uh, the, the uh, committee that's investigating him in Congress uh, just dumped a whole slew of text messages on CNN that uh, implicate a lot of people that seem to have known something was coming up. And uh, some of these people have been testifying to the opposite of that. And I wonder what the fallout from that's going to be. Well, that's going to be interesting. I mean, these text messages were released to uh, uh, the January 6th committee some time ago. For whatever reason, Mark Meadows handed them over to them. And we've seen bits and pieces of things come out that are a little damning. Now, I've said this since the beginning of this, and I'll continue to say it. I think there's a strategy to the Democrats and the January 6th committee. They know people forget things, and uh, one big thing gets buried by the next big thing. My contention is that what they're doing and what they will continue to do up until the moment of the midterms, they're going to let shit out, bad shit out every day. There's going to be something new, some new revelation. And what you're talking about is huge because it's talking about, well, first and foremost, it's talking about all the people in his inner circle that were imploring him to stop the insurrection because they were nervous about the violence and they thought it was wrong even though now they support it but you know what the best text i heard (laughs) in that dump it was from marjorie taylor green marjorie taylor green sent a text to mark meadows and said you've got to get them to stop this i've heard there's an active shooter in the in the capitol this is not the way to take care of this we need to have donald trump do something to stop this Now, it wasn't that she gave a shit about the overthrow of the government. Right at that point, she's thinking, I could be fucking collateral damage. Exactly. That's exactly what she was thinking. And uh, I I did, looking through just a cursory uh, examination of these texts, it it looks like she goes from being someone who actually believes that the... the, election was stolen to someone who cynically uh, will do anything declare martial law whatever it may be to uh to overturn the uh the outcome and um i'd like to see how all these texts match up with what she told the uh, investigating committee yesterday yeah well and you know the thing about it is is that we're even hearing about Ivanka Trump saying, you're fighting the good fight, we're warriors, and we're doing what we're supposed to be doing. While she's trying to separate herself from 
her dad and all this situation and seemed to be above it all. But she was in the thick of it. She was trying to save her ass as well, because without Donald Trump being president, she's fucking nobody. Exactly. And, you know, when you make as many millions as she and Jared did for being advisors in the White House, I mean, it was a tremendous amount of money. And then then uh, Kushner gets a two billion dollar uh, advancement from Saudi Arabia. Uh, not that long after. I mean, there was a lot of stuff going on there. But I think the big tell from this is everybody knew who to call. Right, exactly. I mean, that was always the the indication. We didn't know Donald Trump could do anything. Donald Trump didn't know he could do anything. Everybody did the same thing. They called Mark Meadows, texted Mark Meadows with hopes of getting Donald Trump to do something. So they knew who was in charge. Also, uh, and I I forget who it was, but it was one of the inner circle who was saying, you know what we'll do? We'll say it was Antifa. We'll say that Antifa was mixed in wearing Trump uh, oh, yeah. uh, shirts and hats and so forth. That, that's that's the line we're going to take. They were already coming up with that. They didn't believe it was Antifa, but they were going to say it. Well, that's the interesting thing. When that finally came out, everybody laughed at it. It was a joke. You know, I for all I knew, some, some uh, Trumplefuck came up with it, and they just rode that on through. But the fact of the matter is it sounds like it was a real strategy of allegedly intelligent people surrounding the president. That's fucking amazing. Yeah, well, it just gives you an idea of the intellectual development of his advisors, for one thing. I mean, these people are amateurs. That's one thing that I've learned in my 72 years, and I hate to keep harping on that, but the fact of the matter is these people are not that much smarter than you and me. Oh. Just but just because they wear a suit and go to Washington does not make them intelligent. No, it does not make them intelligent. And I'm rather insulted by what you say, because in spite <laughs> of the fact they hold positions of power, just based on what I hear them say and my own self-worth, they aren't even fucking close to as smart as we are. They aren't even close to as smart as the average folks in this country, not because they don't have the intellectual capability, but they're clouded by their own ego, own corruption, and own criminality. Uh, they have the ability to be as smart as we are, but it's 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 taken over by all this bullshit that's hanging above them. So they have the ability, but they are stupid because they think we're stupid, and that's where the problem for them comes into being when they run into people that aren't stupid. Well, let's see. I'm trying to remember what year it was. I guess it was uh, summer of uh, 72 or 73, whenever the, uh, I guess it was 73 maybe, the summer that uh, the Watergate uh, hearings were televised. Right. And and, uh, I don't know, you were pretty young then, so I don't know if you were transfixed sitting in front of the TV watching the hearings all day, but that's what's coming up. With yeah. the January 6th committee, they're going live here in just a few weeks, and that's going to be a fascinating, fascinating viewing. <laughs> well, and, you know, I was 12 when the uh, Watergate hearings were on, uh, and I was transfixed with it. You know, I was young. I didn't know much about anything, uh, but I watched it mainly because I knew it was going to be historical. I knew at some time in my future uh, it was going to be important to say that you watched and tried to comprehend uh, Watergate. And what happened in Watergate was earth-shattering in this country and throughout the world. 
but it's only like one-tenth of what's going to happen with what's going to be exposed with Donald Trump. For as bad as Nixon was, and as criminal as he was, at the very least, he wasn't trying to overthrow the country. There is nothing bigger, no greater offense than that. Well, I agree. I think on some level that that Nixon did want to do good things for the country, but he wanted to be the ones to do it. He didn't trust anybody else, and he wanted the glory for it. And really, to me, looking back, that's where dirty tricks began. Uh, First off, you know, he sends representatives to Vietnam to talk them out of having peace talks. Uh, so that they can, uh, they'll have to have peace talks with him, that he can use that against Johnson. This is established fact that he did that. You know, Reagan used that same uh, playbook. He sent representatives to Iran to make sure they kept the hostages until uh, after, after he took office. Election. Yeah. You know, so and we see that just begin to snowball and snowball uh, with the Republican Party. It begins with Nixon, but it never stops. And the reason it doesn't is you'll find the same people involved on the periphery sometimes, but they're always there right down the years until Trump. Well, there's a common thread between Richard Nixon and Donald Trump. That happens to be Roger Stone. Roger Stone got his start of dirty tricks with the Nixon administration. Hell, he's got a tattoo of Nixon on his back. And next thing you know, he's a buddy with Donald Trump because he basically... He basically sought Donald Trump out because he thought of two things. He might have the ability to run for president. He might have the ability to win the presidency. And he had the ability to be manipulated by Roger Stone. That was the difference between Nixon and Trump. Stone was too young. He couldn't manipulate Donald uh, Richard Nixon, but he sure the fuck could manipulate Donald Trump. And he did. Well, you see Stone, uh, he keeps showing up. I mean... He shows up in uh, down in Miami uh, when the uh, the Bush Gore count is going on. He sends people to break the windows and doors, pretending right. to be outraged citizens to stop the count. Uh, he's a, he's a through line, but it's not just him. I mean, there are many people just like him. Some we don't even know their names, but they've right. been there from Nixon right on through through Bush, through through Reagan, through Bush, and, and so forth. Well, and what they're doing now with this with this dump, again, January 6th has had this for a while. I think what people have to understand, they, they, they're constantly saying, well, the DOJ is not doing anything, January 6th not doing anything. There's a lot of things going on we don't know. We know the January 6th committee has in, interviewed 750 people at least. We know they have this information from the National Archives. We know they have this information from Mark Meadows. But we haven't seen all the information. What they're basically doing is putting on a show. They're creating a presentation. So when those TV hearings start, it's going to be a fucking epic show. And it has one intention, exposing the Republicans for what they are and changing the minds of people. I wonder, too, with the dump today, if they aren't trying to influence the Department of Justice and say, look, this is what we have. You have it, too. Why aren't you doing something? Well, somebody also pointed out, you know, Kevin McCarthy tells the American public that he never uh, wanted to use (laughs) the 25th Amendment or to uh, ask Donald Trump to uh, uh, resign. He was indignant about it when it came out in the book. And then, of course, the 
the the recording comes out and it proves that he's a liar and a fucking traitor. And we also find out that Mitch McConnell knew some things about the insurrection prior to the insurrection for which he did nothing. Um, so this exposes him. And some people are saying that right there is pure and clear evidence. And that should be something the DOJ should be jumping on. I mean, it's not hard to investigate that if you got all the facts laid out in front of you. He did what he did. And I think Kevin McCarthy's in for some trouble. I, he's failed too many times. He's not only not going to be the next uh, pub, uh, Speaker of the House if the Republicans even get close to getting the majority. He may not hold on to his leadership position. They're getting tired of him. He's an embarrassment. Yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right. And a lot is going to depend on what happens in the mid midterms. And personally, I hope that uh, uh, there's a blue wave uh, that just makes CNN look like idiots for predicting that the Republicans will take back the House. That's my hope. But the other thing, it really depends on which Republicans win. If the crazies that Donald Trump is endorsing win, that will show that he still has influence, and they certainly are going to go after McCarthy for sure. Uh, if the main, quote, mainstream Republicans uh, manage to hold off this charge from the crazies, uh, all I'll say is Mike Pence is traveling around Iowa right now. I wonder what he has in mind. Oh, absolutely. I mean, <laughs> these people, these these people come out and they hear this about Kevin McCarthy. They, it shows categorically that he lied. There's absolute proof that he lied. He was kind of in on it. He wanted to get rid of Donald Trump. He says he wasn't. Then all of a sudden he's proved that he wasn't. How do they respond to that? They have no way to respond to the facts or the truth or the justice of it all. They just say, yeah, that's not a big deal. Really, Kev? You lied to the American public. You were trying to undermine your president. That's not a big deal? I beg to differ. I'm thinking there's a lot of people that think it's a big fucking deal. Yeah, I do too. I, I have to hope that that's the case. And I, I have to hope that there's at least 10 million more of them than of the crazies who believe that the election was stolen. Because I know that in the Republican Party, there's still a high percentage of what you would suspect would be normal people who right. still think that the election was stolen somewhere, or at least that there was massive fraud. Well, and I think that's the goal of the January 6th committee. I mean, I think the, the, the stranglehold that Donald Trump has on the Republican Party is slipping considerably. You can see that in his rallies. Fewer and fewer people are coming. Um, but when Donald Trump ran in 2020, people will always say, why did 71 or 74 million people vote for him? And and the fact of the matter is, is there's a lot of people who are Republicans only because dad was Republican, grandpa was Republican, and great-grandpa was Republican. They won't vote Democrat, so they vote Republican no matter who the fuck it is. But as the January 6th comes out with all this information, all these people watch Fox News or OAN, so they don't hear about the other issues that are going on in this country. Well, these stories will be so big, they won't be able to avoid them. And when these stories hit them, the base will still do what they fucking do, but that's 30 32%. The rest of these people will do one of two things. They will either vote Democrat or they won't vote at all. And either one works for me. Yeah, me too. You know, stay home. I'm fine with that, Republicans, if you want to. If you think the election was stolen, why bother voting? Yeah. Yeah, if it's all corrupt, don't vote. I don't know. I, I, P. 
people give the Democrats a hard time about being weak and wimping out, and I see that. I don't disagree with that on many situations. But maybe it's my only my hopes and dreams working here. But with this January 6th commission, I really see kind of a strategy. It's a, um, it's a uh, what do they call that, um, passive-aggressive? Yeah. Kind of passive-aggressive in that they're not jumping and attacking them, but they're, every day they're letting loose this bad information. And I, I think what people have to understand, people will say to me, well, Donald Trump will never go to jail. You know, the fact is he may not go to jail. It's a weird logistics and unprecedented to send a president to jail. you got to wonder, do you send him to jail with the Secret Service? Or do you farm it out to the Aryan race and have them protect Donald Trump in prison? I don't know what the fuck you do. I don't think you're going to send him to prison. But if you remember back in, in, in the Watergate days, a lot of people with around the president did go to jail. So you're going to see the Meadows and the Don Juniors and people like that risking going to jail exactly and and that's a tell really when you think about it that if you look back at every administration you see the democratic administrations here and there you'll see a bad actor go to jail or 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 get major fines or something maybe two or i think uh, obama had zero in eight years Uh, carter carter had one a guy who took a watch if i remember right (laughs) You know, Nixon had, you know, however many it was, of over 100, I think. Yeah. And uh, Reagan had that many with Iran-Contra. And uh, Bush Bush had a, a, a bunch. And they all pardoned a bunch that uh, were convicted or were on their way to jail um, that, that were simply pardoned. Every Republican administration is a corrupt administration. And there's no way to argue with those figures. No, there isn't. Republicans are a shady bunch of motherfuckers, and they have been since I've been alive. Uh, wasn't Wasn't Eisenhower a Republican? Uh, yeah, he was the last decent one. Yeah, and I always thought, you know, I was born, he was president, and Kennedy became president, so I didn't know much about Eisenhower. But all that I've read about him, he seemed to be a, dis- a decent person. I mean, that said, we know... The Republican Party and the Democratic Party have kind of switched sides in the time in between then and now. So yep. to suggest we're Republicans this and we're good because of this doesn't really make any sense because the Republicans of today don't really resemble the Republicans of Reagan even. Well, Reagan, uh, rather, uh, I was Truman was president when I was born, but only for a year or so. I was born in 49. So right. But uh, so Ike was the only president I knew for the first eight years of my life. And uh, I came from a Republican family, so <laughs> I, I liked Ike. Uh, he did a lot of great things. Um, uh, got the interstate system going. Um, uh, got civil rights going. He sent troops in uh, to quell civil rights problems, I believe, in Little Rock. Um, there were, and, and did other things. And when he left, he had a... He, his farewell speech, uh, which was written by a Minnesota guy named Borlaug, um, decried the uh, emerging uh, blend of uh, the defense industry and, and politics the, uh, and uh, industry and the war machine. Let's put it, there's a specific phrase. It's, it's, I'm not coming. The military industrial complex. There it is. Right. Uh, that was what he talked about in his farewell address. He was warning people, and that, of course, uh, gave us Vietnam, 
gave us uh, Iraq, Iran, and Afghanistan, and every other conflict we've been in since. Um, so he knew what he was talking about. I mean, he was a general for gosh sakes. He and and one of the great ones. Um, um, well, he warned us against the military-industrial complex, and here we are, um, 60, 62 years ago, later, and uh, he was right. We're sending $750 billion plus to the Defense Department, which is then funneled through to the military-industrial complex. We're spending more on, 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 on uh, um, our Defense Department than the 10 behind us, and eight of those are our allies. So it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a big grift for all this military-industrial complex. He warned us about it, and we fucking fell for it. Yeah, and, you know, the, the hoi polloi go, but, you know, you waste all my tax money. Well, that's where it goes, folks. It doesn't go to welfare. That's that's a – welfare is a rounding error. Medicare is a rounding error. You know, uh, all of the social safety net money is a rounding error compared to the defense budget. And, and we don't even know all the defense budget. The black budget is probably twice as much as the uh, what we actually know about. Well, that you know, that's the thing is whether it be money being sent to the Defense Department at any level or the uh, or the tax breaks in the trillions to the rich people. Nobody says a word about that. I have arguments with people all the time um, and. But when it comes to sending money back to the middle class or the people that are poor, oh, man, we can't afford that. I was talking to somebody recently, and they said, yeah, but before Donald Trump, I kind of sided with the Republicans about their fiscal responsibility and not putting our children into debt in the future. And I said, that's well and good, but you were kind of hoodwinked. That's what they told you. That's what you believe. You believe you vote Republican, you're going to be fiscally responsible. All that means is they're going to not give money back to the middle class, but they're going to dump trillions to the rich people and to our defense department, which in turn goes to the rich people and rich companies. You know, I got to tell you, the Republicans have sold that narrative very well over the years. But as we look at it now, none of it, fucking none of it is true. No, it isn't. And that's they're always screaming, support the troops, support the troops. But they don't. I was a troop. I know what troops get. We get squat. But uh, the rich people sitting on Wall Street are raking in the money because they have stock in all these defense plants, and that's where it goes. And they'll come up with a project that they know they will never use, and it may not ever work, and they'll farm it out to 12 different states so all those senators will rev up support for it. It'll sail through, and uh, as they say, the money will go to the people that don't need it and uh, will be taken from the people who do. It's uh, it's it's a really when you think about it. That's the word I was looking for. Yes, well, and not, uh, go ahead. It has a familiar ring to it, doesn't it? It has mm-hmm. a familiar ring to me, um, based on what's going on in our public education. Yep. We're paying tons and tons and tons of dollars. If you look at our local taxes here in Minnesota, half of it goes to education. You would think they'd be swimming in money, but they're constantly asking for more money. But having worked in a school district like you and I, or having a wife who's a teacher in the school district and sees 
what's happened with the kids in the school district, somehow that money doesn't filter down, not unlike trickle-down economics. There's some kind of clog between the upper level and where the actual work is being done. So it seems to be a strategy that they use both in government in general, in education, all kinds of things. It's just a way to grift the people, the, the middle-class people, and then they tell you, oh, don't worry about this. This is good for you. And some fucking people believe it. Well, that's it. I mean, you either, you're either uh, gullible or you're not. And um, there's a certain comfort in gullibility, I think, uh, in, in believing that there's someone looking out for you, but uh, they obviously are not. Uh, another thing that is also extremely easy to see, if you just sit down, take a day or two, and look back over uh, the financial state of the country, Every Republican administration, we see it. They come in, the deficit goes through the roof, the, they trash the economy, we either have a recession or, or something happens, they're, they're voted out, the Democrats come in, fix it, lower the deficit, and the Republicans are screaming the whole time about the deficit that they ran up while the Democrats are in. We don't have the money to do these programs you want to do. We're not going to vote for that. We're not going to do that because we got to get the deficit down. Well, the Democrats get the deficit down, and, and then Republicans get back in. Right back up it goes. That's the, that's a pattern that repeats itself throughout my lifetime. So I, well, I, I noticed it. Well, that's the thing is they keep selling that they're fiscally responsible, how they want to bring the debt down, how that debt is horrible for this country. They did it just before Donald Trump, and then they added $9 trillion to the fucking debt. I think the important – I was telling somebody this the other day. Do you know the only president that fixed the debt or the deficit? You know the only president that did that? Fucking Bill Clinton. I don't yep. even know how he did it, but he did it. It wasn't he a Republican. Raised, uh, tax he raised taxes on rich people. That's how he did it. Well, that should be, that should be a red flag to us. If that worked, why don't we do it again? And I think yeah. that's what Biden's trying to do. He can fix the deficit, too, by way of taxing people who aren't paying fucking taxes right now. Well, you got to get Joe Manchin to vote for it, and he's a friggin' millionaire. Well, yeah, but, you know, what we've got to do is in the midterms, we've got to make Joe Manchin irrelevant. You've yep. got to get more Repo or more Democrats in the Senate because Joe Manchin isn't going to change. He isn't going to get voted out. Um, he's only a little better than if a Republican took his spot. And frankly, if Joe Manchin wasn't in that spot, it would be some crazy Republican. So yeah. we're only a little better off than we could be at this point. We can't cut it so closely. We've got to bury Manchin and make him irrelevant. Well, that's when somebody says to me, you know, I'm, I'm uh, socially liberal, but I'm fiscally, fiscally conservative. Yeah, and I say that then, then the liberal part doesn't matter if you can't pay for it. Right. Uh, exactly. Exactly. Tell you what, Ed, I'm going to take a quick break and uh, we'll be right back. We are back. And Ed, I wanted to bring up something that just came out today. Donald Trump is held in contempt uh, for not supplying documents to uh, Letitia James, the New York Attorney General. Now, she sent out a subpoena for his documents. 
He sent some of the documents in, but he refrained from sending other documents in, mostly dealing with his personal things, and he's refused to do it. So Letitia James got angry and uh, uh, filed uh, a motion to hold Donald Trump in contempt of court. And as luck would have it, the judge said, yeah, we're going to do it. Now, they could put him in jail until he submits these documents. They didn't do that for obvious reasons. But they are going to charge him with $10,000 a day fine up until the time he submits those documents, if he ever submits those documents. Your thoughts about that? Well, 10000 10, a day to Donald Trump's chump change, right? Um, yeah. But I also know that he's such a skin flint because he cheats everybody. I don't care if it's a guy who supplies pianos to his hotels. Uh, you know, he bankrupted a guy because he never paid him who supplied him with, with uh, uh, pianos and that sort of thing. If they were charging him a dollar a day, it would gall him to know that somebody was taking money from him. So it, it, it will definitely, uh, it's like a burr under the saddle, uh, I believe. Now, I, I just popped into my head, what happens if the uh, she did decide to put him in jail? Would the Secret Service have to fight the police that she she said to uh, arrest him yeah i don't know that's the whole logistics thing about it um i don't know what they would do with that but you're right this this fine and this ruling doesn't really matter in the sense of the money aspect of it donald trump is a narcissist and yep. the worst worst thing you can do to any narcissist is to point out and or prove that they lost they were yep. wrong that they are losers. Calling Donald Trump is calling Donald Trump a loser to him is worse than being calling a pedophile. Yeah. So so I see this as kind of just chipping away at the wall. I call him uh, <laughs> Donald Trump is kind of the Jenga of politics because things mm -hmm. keep getting knocked away and he is an insecure person. And as more people believe and say he's a loser, it's going to take its toll on him. This is a minor thing. You know, somebody said to me, well, yeah, he's never going to jail for this. Come on, fucking listen. This is a civil case. No one's right. going to jail. It's just a, it's just a burr under the saddle. Yes, you're right. But it's something that Donald Trump takes personally and it fucks yes. with him and it causes him to do other stuff that is stupid. So I'm all for it. I, I'll be interested to see if he ever gives in. I don't think he will. And people will say, well, he'll never pay the money. Well, if the government really wants the money, they'll get it. They'll take it out of your property. They'll take it out of your taxes. They'll take it someplace, but they'll get the fucking money. Oh yeah. That's there's, there's no question of that. And like I say, it'll be a burr under his saddle. Uh, for a good long time, and then and, and who knows? You know, maybe he will cough up. Uh, I doubt it. You know, he's he's very good about chewing up documents. We know that and flushing yeah. them down the toilet. So, uh, who knows if they still exist? I would imagine most of this is electronic stuff, though. So it's not something he can chew on. Um, something that just popped into my head, though, that I think we should mention here, and that, you know, I was joking about the Secret Service having to fight off the police, but it, it looks like there was collusion between Trump's Secret Service agents and Pence's Secret, uh, uh, Secret Service agents to get 
Pence out of the picture on January 6th. Well, uh, yeah, that's interesting. I, I talked about it in a previous podcast and on TikToks, but go ahead. Uh, yeah, uh, it looks like that they wanted Pence out of the way. And one of the testimony we have was the day before Chuck Grassley, who would fill in if, if Pence had gotten sick or something, Chuck Grassley is the senior member, would have taken over. And he was prepared to do so and was expecting to which means somebody told him, you're going to have to do this because we're taking Pence out of the way. And uh, they sent a car for Pence to get him away from the Capitol. And he said very definitively, I'm not getting in that car, which makes me think he was afraid to get in that car. Absolutely. And, you know, I talked about it in a previous podcast. Jamie Raskin called this chilling. And when you think about it laid out as it was, it is chilling. You have these people attacking the Capitol, admittedly wanting to kill Mike Pence, wanting to hang Mike Pence. They had a fucking gallows with them, and they yep. wanted to kill Mike Pence. So his security team, his Secret Service, took him downstairs to the garage and were telling him to get in a car to get away to safety. And Mike Pence, for whatever reason, said, no, nah, I'm not getting in that motherfucking car. <laughs> and 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 as you say, I, I went to the more more um, frightening part of it. I mean, I don't know if Mike Pence thought if he got in the car, he'd get hurt, he'd get killed, or he'd get taken away and delayed from doing his job. I don't know which one it is. And people have come to me and said, well, Mike, that's great, but that's all speculation. I go, my speculation doesn't matter. The vice president of the United States, who's on the inner circle with the president, was worried about it. That is, in fucking fact, chilling. Absolutely, because we know that Pence and uh, Trump had a conversation the night before, or maybe even that morning, where Pence basically told him flat out, I'm not going to do it. You know, I don't have the power. I, I, I checked with everybody I could think of, in, including Dan Quayle, who told me, I don't have the power. I'm not going to do it. And Trump was furious. You can imagine. You can imagine because everything hinged on Pence doing that. Right. If, if, if Pence had gone ahead and said, I'm rejecting these delegates, these ballots, whatever, then it, there would have been a, a long, drawn out process where who knows what would have happened. Well, the uh, thing we is, had it. Go ahead. The thing is, constitutionally, he didn't have the power to do that anyway. It right. would have just cause chaos. Yes, then the chaos was what they were hoping for, I think. And there may have been martial law in that case. Who knows what they would have done? It might have wound up with uh, with uh, Trump staying in power at least for a while. The other tell from this is they were going to take Pence away to a quote safe location. Nobody ever suggested taking Trump to a safe location. Right, exactly. He, he, you know, every other, you know, there was a, a Black Lives Matter protest near the White House, and they made him go downstairs into the safe room, and he was very pissed about it. But they, they, they did that then. This case, where people are raging into the Capitol and, and trying to overthrow the government, and they leave him sitting there in, in the Oval Office or, or the, the residence, wherever he was that day, uh, watching TV, and nobody suggests that he maybe should go to a place of safety. 
Well, I remember early on there was the video of him and Ivanka and Donald Jr. and and some of these other uh, Mark Meadows all fucking partying under a tent outside someplace until they were made to go back inside. These people weren't afraid at all because the people at the Capitol were doing Donald Trump's bidding. He didn't tell them to stop because he wanted them to be successful. That's clear. That's clear. I mean, the point of all he did was to get these people to do his bidding and try to create enough chaos or damage or somehow give him time or get him back in office. He didn't give a fuck how it's done, and he's not smart enough to understand why it wouldn't work. Well, and once again, everybody uh, in this information dump today, all these text messages, they all went to who? Donald Trump, because they knew he was the man who uh, instigated it, and he was the only one who could stop it. Yeah, and, and we were talking about the, the, those text dumps. We had people right next to him, Mick Mulvaney, um, Reach, uh, uh, Priebus, Rance Priebus, uh, yep. Marjorie Taylor Greene, all these people hitting up Mark Meadows to try to get him to stop. Even these people that were part and parcel to making this fucking thing happen, they were getting nervous and wanting him to stop, but he refused. He did zero. He never contacted the Secretary of the State, who has the power over the National Guard. In the midst of the worst part of it, Donald Trump didn't see, see it through to talk to the National Guard. In fact, if he did anything, he held them back. Exactly. And, and uh, we have some evidence, I believe, I've heard from other things the, com- the, the committee has. I have heard other things that uh, even the day before people were telling uh, the National Guard, uh, now we're not going to need you. We got this covered, yeah. you know. Well, there was even a list that was published and it was a it was a document came from the White House. And it stipulated all the things that the National Guard could and couldn't do. And they hampered some things they'd normally do by saying, you can't use this, you can't do that, you can't say this. So they were kind of trying to handicap the National Guard even before the event. Yeah, as I recall, the only National Guard who ever showed up came from Virginia. and They were brought in by Nancy Pelosi calling. Right, right. And you got the governor of Maryland, who I think is a Republican, who was trying mm-hmm. to trying to call Donald Trump or Mark Meadows or somebody to get something done. But Donald Trump just flat out refused. That's that's there's no gray area. That's exactly what he did. What we have here and the pieces are falling into place. The puzzle is emerging. We're beginning to see the picture. You know, there's a few raggedy edges around yet, but we'll fill those in. This was a coup. It was planned. Donald Trump was in the middle of it. He should suffer the consequences. I'll be, I have to be honest, uh, and I was wrong. When I saw what happened on January 6th with those trump attacking the Capitol and Donald Trump saying the things he did, I didn't give Donald Trump enough credit for intelligence or planning ability, and maybe he still doesn't deserve it. Maybe it was the people around him. But I thought this was right off the cuff happenings. These guys got angry. They attacked. He said what he said. I never in my mind imagined that this was a very seriously and particularly planned out strategy. 
But now what we see, they're coming at all different angles. They're coming with the attack on the Capitol. They're coming with the fake electors. They're coming with trying to talk to secretaries of state and having the president coerce them to change this. They're coming with the audits and and the recounts and all this stuff. This was a pretty vast conspiracy and a pretty vast strategy to, as you say, commit a coup on the United States of America. Well, we have a communication, and I forget if it's a text or a phone call from Donald Trump Jr. the day before, saying there's five or six avenues and we have them all covered. Right. Actually, right. I, th- I actually think he said that uh, uh, back before the election, right before the election. It was like, don't sweat this. We're, we're not going anywhere because we've got these avenues all covered way I, back then. I got to say, though. If Donald Trump is your point man on any, any, any action, you're fucking in trouble. Because this yeah, is you, dumb. You really can't call it an intelligence operation at that point. No, Not, no. <laughs> uh, but you think about it. Think about it. Way back during the primaries, Ted Cruz wins Iowa. Yeah. Donald Trump says the vote was rigged. And his wife's ugly. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they threw that in at some point. She's really not that ugly. She's no, not as ugly no. as as Pat, uh, Ted. Well, no, and and the picture, you know, they put up a picture of of her and of Melania, you know, make up to the max and everything, and they got her getting off a plane or something with her hair flying and uh, you know something in her eye and God knows what, you know, the worst yeah. picture they could possibly find of the lady. She's not bad looking, but she's obviously insane uh, to be married to Ted Cruz. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, Can you imagine? I, I don't even like to think about it. Ooh, ooh, just, I'm gonna. <laughs> Well, the thing about it is, is these people are going, these people that are married to these fucking criminals, their lives for the rest of their lives, when this all comes down and, and works itself out, these people are going to lead miserable lives. Their their partners are going to be pariahs. Ted, Ted is going to be a fucking pariah. There's just no way about it. I mean, nobody in his own Senate like this guy. I, the, the best quote I ever heard was from Al Franken. He says... I like Ted better than most of my colleagues, and I fucking hate Ted. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Nobody likes Ted, um, but and nobody likes Trump. They're either afraid of him, they think he's a joke, or they think that they can use him. That's how people relate to Trump. Well, that's true, and and and, and I think once the midterms come, and if his endorsees don't win. There's going to be a big change because people are going to realize that he's not an asset anymore. He is a liability, and Republicans are dirtbags, and they will throw away anybody, even their Lord and Savior, if they're of no use to them anymore. Oh, if Jesus Christ came back today, they'd crucify him again. Yeah, Uh, absolutely. I I have no doubt of that. Um, And the evangelicals will be right in the middle of it. Oh, yeah. Well, they were last time, or at yeah. least their equivalents. Yeah, <laughs> The absolutely. Pharisees, the same thing, but we won't get into that. And, nah. Uh, the, the, uh, the, uh, I, I have religious friends, uh, very religious friends, who are really good people uh, who hate Donald Trump, believe me. <laughs> you know? That's a rarity. 
Yes. Um, the other thing, uh, the other big news today is uh, uh, Musk buys Twitter. Elon Musk buys Twitter. And I got to tell you, there's a lot of people upset and nervous about this. Are you? Um, not really. I mean, no. you know, I, I'm on Twitter now more than I ever was before. As a matter of fact, I didn't I didn't tweet forever and ever and ever. I, I, I got an account when I was still at the radio station and they wanted me to throw out stuff on Twitter on the morning show that uh, I've got a guest coming in at eight o'clock, you know, that kind of stuff. Right and, I, right. and I, and when I started my Twitter account back up again, I had one follower <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and I, and I don't even remember who that was, but uh, anyway, I've, I've been doing it a lot more lately and uh, following it more so. Uh, so, but there are a couple of people that I enjoy uh, basically kind of trolling. One of them is Marsha Blackburn who I refer to as Marsha, 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 the wow. uh, Tennessee senator who just made an ass of herself during questioning for um, uh, the Supreme Court uh, nominee, right. Uh, right. Judge, ja Judge Jackson. Yeah, she is definitely and quite corrupt and uh, uh, for a number of different reasons. But she's always posting Bible verses and stuff, which is, ugh. I mean, you know, it's anyway, it's never mind. I, I do. Uh, I do troll certain people. I put out my thoughts and, you know, some people respond to them. But um, if Jesus I, had a Twitter account, if Jesus had a Twitter account, and he should. Um, if he had a Twitter account, he would he would uh, tag Marsha and say, enough already, you crazy bitch. <laughs> no doubt. Uh, yeah, I, that's not what that means, Marsha, is what he would say. But Wait. uh you know what the biggest fear is, though? You know what the biggest fear about him owning Twitter is? Uh, I've got several, but go ahead. Well, the biggest fear I run into is, oh, he'll let Donald Trump back on Twitter. And you yeah, know what? I, I'm cool I, with that. Yeah, me too. I mean, that's 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 what I was telling people uh, who were saying that earlier today on Twitter, that uh, right now, uh, Marsha Blackburn's on there, Jim Jordan's on there, all of these people on there uh, putting out their drivel every day. And it's easy for me to go in and slap them down. I mean, it's yeah. not hard. I don't break a sweat. Yeah, uh, I would be the same with Donald Trump. I would be the same with Margie Taylor Greene. I kind of agree with uh with musk that that i don't have a i don't have a a problem with it being the wild west uh i do hate when they allow falsehood because that then it becomes just i mean blatant falsehood it which becomes, is all trump it's a waste of time then it becomes uh, a propaganda that's damaging to the country and that should be the line exactly now what i figure will happen I'm almost certain, and you can write this down and come back in a year and tell me if I'm wrong or not. He's going to try to turn it into a profit engine. He's going to make it subscription-based. Well, that'll be fine because it won't work. People yeah. will drop off. Why, why, yeah. would they, why would they join a subscription? Why are they going to pay for something that they've gotten for years for free? That won't work. It won't work. No, it, it never does. You cannot go back and monetize something that you've given people for free. Uh, they'll come up with, they'll find an alternative. I mean, we'll go take over Parler or something, you know. <laughs> or, or somebody might as well take over Truth Social, Donald Trump's new powerful app, because it isn't doing jack shit. It's losing money by the buckets, and it's a joke. 
Well, that's the thing that I'd surely he must realize. I mean, the guy has to be have some intelligence. I mean, uh, a lot of the it bugs me when people say, "Well, these people deserve their money because they earned it." And I I always say bull, bullshit. Bill Gates, Bezos, Musk, they started out with money. I mean, Musk's dad owned an emerald mine, for God's sake. And yeah. and uh, Gates' mother was on the board of IBM. And uh, Bezos, uh, um, I forget exactly what it is, but his family had money, too. You know, so uh, it's they they go in with money and they buy people and they buy ideas like Bill Gates bought DOS. He didn't invent it. You know, right. that sort of thing. You know, uh, so if you have money, you can you can do a lot of things that the guy, the brilliant people working in their garage, they don't have the money. What you do is go in and steal their stuff. And that's basically what Musk does. I, I hope that he doesn't ruin it because I enjoy it to a certain degree. It's, and, and I kind of like it in that it limits me. I have to be precise in what I say. And I can't oh. just ramble on. You know, I've got only a certain amount of characters. And uh, I do hate, I know one of the first things he said was, would you like an edit button? And everybody went crazy. Yes, yes, yes. Well, it turns out the reason they don't have an edit button, it's like a barn door for scammers. Right, right. You know, and that's why they've never been able to come up with a way to make it safe. So, in other words, he's going to make it really unsafe if he puts an edit button on there, but it seems like it's something he wants to do uh, to make it popular. I mean, I've deleted tweets because of grammar thing that I messed up on or a misspelling or something. It just drives me crazy. Right. I've I've gradually gotten to the point now I go, fuck it. Everybody knows that it's a typo, you know. Uh, well, well, yeah, you know, the thing about it is what I hear from most people about Donald Trump getting back on, they're afraid he's going to get his platform back, swip it all up again and be like it was prior to 2020. And I disagree. The fact of the matter is every time Donald Trump speaks, whether it be at a rally or his press release or whatever the fuck he's doing, he looks stupid. He embarrasses himself. He embarrasses the Republican Party. And he... Uh, he shows how he's complicit with various crimes. He exposes himself every time. Things are things are are easing away from him. They're chipping at him slowly with all this information coming out. The easiest way to uh, escalate that is let that fucker talk. He's his worst enemy. If anybody's going to take down Donald Trump, nobody but Donald Trump can do it better. So I don't think they should have taken that Twitter thing away from him at all. They should have held him accountable for uh, 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 lies and and propaganda that would be damaging to the country. But let that fucker talk. He'll fucking crucify himself. The sooner he gets back on Twitter, as far as I'm concerned, the better. And yeah, and it, I kind of feel the same way. Uh, somebody I saw the other day was talking about his rallies. You know, don't people get tired of hearing the same crap over and over and over again delivered in that sing-songy uh, way he does it? And somebody says, you know, I look at these people and it looks like it's the same people who just travel from 
one rally to another. Like they're like Trump heads. Like you know, they used to be. Yeah. I follow. I follow the dead. You remember? Yeah. Uh, I think it's the same way w- with Trump. He is a small, loyal group that goes to these places now out in the cow pastures because he can't because he didn't pay for the venues the first time around so nobody will let him have right. them you know but uh, i think it's it's like trump's going to wind up being like uh, a one-hit wonder from the 60s playing a uh, a downtown vegas lounge now on a wednesday night that's what trump is going to be oh yeah uh, he's going to be a joke he's going to be you know for years and years we joked about uh, Nixon after he resigned. Oh, Nixon this and Nixon this. Donald Trump will be a joke in history for the next hundred years. People will be fucking unbelievably mercifulous on this fuck because he'll be so easy to pick on. Yes, and he will be a joke. And uh, I remember when Bob Dole lost the presidency um, uh, and uh, in his um concession speech he said now i'm going to be a quiet i'm going to be quiet for a while he said i'm going to go away i'm going to be quiet for a while but mark my words i'm going to be speaking out uh, over the next few years never heard a word from never heard another word from him because because you can't speak unless they bring you the microphone right and he and he was history you know I, i think bob dole Although he was kind of a nasty character in some ways, I, I do think he was a patriot, and I do think that uh, um, he would have certainly have been better than some of the other Republicans they we've had in office. But uh, uh, Reagan, for example. But uh, uh, the fact is, you're you know the only thing that yesterday's news is good for is wrapping garbage when you put it out. Absolutely, making paper mache for your kids if people still do that. And that's what he would be. If we want to speed up the demise of Donald Trump, give him a platform, let him talk, and let him ruin himself. I believe that all these people – see, see, people think, okay, he's going to get back on. It's going to be like pre-2020. Well, there's a lot of change since then. Twitter isn't what Twitter was then. Donald Trump isn't what he was then. At that point, he had some power. He was a president. He had none of this stuff hanging over his head. Now he's being torn apart every day, and he's going to respond to this stuff on Twitter, and he's just going to implicate himself in all these things that are coming up. It'll be like he testified in spite of the fact he refuses to testify. He'll still say the same shit on Twitter, and he might as well have testified because he'll own up to this shit, or he'll lie about it, and it'll be so ridiculous I can't wait till he gets back on Twitter. And the other thing is, Elon Musk, when this thing all falls a fucking part, that stink's going to hang on Elon Musk, too. It's going to do some damage to Tesla. I mean, there are other electric car companies coming out, and I've heard people say that some of them are better than Tesla. So Elon Musk should be careful what he does because he's hanging precariously. Well, I think where Tesla, uh, where Musk messes up, uh, where Henry Ford, for example, did, who was also a major asshole. Um, but he realized that if I make cars that the people who make them can afford, I'm going to make a shitload of money. Yeah. Um, Elon Musk makes cars for really rich people. Right. And there just aren't enough really rich people anymore to support that kind of product. 
I mean, he needs to find a way if he's good to make it. A, he really needs to make uh, an electric vehicle for the masses. Um, he does. And, and it would be uh, it would be revelatory. It would be it would change culture if we just had an electric vehicle that would uh, you could uh, charge up once a week and uh, and roll on. You know, I mean, his will go from zero to. Uh, zero to ninety in six seconds. Okay, right. we don't need that. No. We need we need one that'll get you back and forth to work. You know, on uh, and uh, not cost you. Then we do, then we can tell everybody with their oil and gas to go take a flying leap. Well, yeah, and that would be a great thing. And if Elon Musk can uh, bring us closer to that, by all means. My gut reaction when I see Elon Musk on television. Uh, long ago, when I was very young, I learned how to read people and get a sense of people. I'm not always right, but a lot of times I am. Uh, I don't think he's a good guy. I think he's working off a lot of ego, and when that happens, things usually go badly for those people that work around him or buy things from him. I think uh, his ego's gotten away from him a little bit. He likes this superhero status. But when people get that superhero status, typically they crash horribly in the end. Yeah, I think so. He's creepy. Jeff Bezos is yeah. creepy. Is uh, creepy. Bill Gates is a little creepy. You know, I mean, that's why Melinda dumped him. You know, he was flying off to the island. You know, that's uh, I, I think most of the good stuff that, that Gates did was because of Melinda, quite frankly. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. And, and, and the thing about it is, is most everybody around the Republican Party is a little creepy. And, uh, and the way they fight against that is say, no, you're creepy. <laughs> no, you're creepy. I'm not creepy. You're creepy. And, yes. of course, they are fucking creepy. I wouldn't let them around my children, grandchildren, or anybody else's children for any period of time because they, they, aren't, they aren't good people. Well, we're coming to the end here, Ed. We've got a full hour into this shit. And, uh, and I appreciate you taking the time to sit and talk. Oh man, I love it, and uh, but we we could go another hour. We really could, easy, easily. And, uh, I uh, I very much enjoy it. I hope the folks listening get something out of it. You know, just a couple of doddering old fools blowing out, but uh, well, uh, <laughs> I well, mean that's certainly a part of it. Well, it's certainly part of it. We are doddering old fools, but a large percentage of our audience are not unlike us and are doddering old fools. And my premise is if we can get enough doddering old fools together, we can have some power. Because it's not about me, it's not about you, it's about all of us together. And if we can actually get something done, get a stronger voice and get a little power, maybe people of a like sane mind can get something done and try to right this fucking ship. You know, I, one thing that I love is the movies of the 1930s. Um and one of my favorite ones is, is called Meet John Doe. And uh, he has a speech uh, that he's delivering to, uh, to the masses, uh, we'll say, and where he talks about the little punks. The little and, punks. Uh, the little punks. Uh, we're little punks, you know, but if you get enough little punks together, you can change the world. Maybe the next time when we talk, I'll dig that out. I have the speech here somewhere. And... Um, uh, he talk. It's a bit populist, and I'm a little scary of populism, but uh, uh, I have to go along with it. That um, we have power, we do. We just need to join together and exercise it. 
You do. You got to speak up, speak out, push back, have other people on your side. Think of us as kind of like the elderly version of the children of the corn. Nobody's going to fuck with us here. (laughs) (laughs) That's it. Watch Uh, out. We're coming to a town near you. (laughs) All right. We're going to wrap this thing up. See? I love the 30s (laughs) movies, too. Um, Yeah. All right. Well, thank you for coming by. You'll, you'll, we'll be talking again this week again, and, and the folks will be able to get to hear it. Listen to the Rational Boomer podcast. I'm here pretty much every fucking day. I don't know how you take it, but you're asking for it, so I'm giving it to you. Have a great day, and we'll talk to you again tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time.